Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Good morning. Today's scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Verses 13 through 19, and this passage can be found on page 1071 in the Bibles uh, beneath the seat in front of you. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning with verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. The word of the Lord. Okay, we're going to continue our sermon series that we started last week uh, entitled Honest Answers for Honest Questions. And not that we ever give you dishonest answers uh, for dishonest questions, but that is what we're working through. We're going to look at a question uh, this morning. Is the church overprotective? Is the church overprotective? As we jump into that, I actually heard on NPR uh, this week a little piece about the fact that there are some health specialists and scientists that are a little nervous about uh, the American obsession with clean. And uh, they're, they're asserting that maybe we're a little too overprotective when it comes to our exposure to germs. Uh, they're saying even that because we use so much hand sanitizer and antibacterial soap and wipes and all these interesting things that uh, our children may not be being exposed to as many germs as they actually need to be in order for their immune system to develop fully. And they've actually done some tests in mice. Sorry to our PETA friends, but they've done some uh, some experiments on some mice. And what they found is that when they expose these newborn mice to the normal amount of germs... When they get older, they usually do pretty well. But when they cause these mice to be born into a germ-free environment, uh, they often grow up and then have uh, an autoimmune disease. An autoimmune disease is a disease where your immune system basically attacks your body. And so what they've seen in mice is without exposure to the germs, the mice do not develop an immune system that works right, and so they develop these autoimmune diseases later in life. And what they're afraid of is that our uh, overprotectiveness when it comes to germs might be reducing uh, the ability for our young people to develop the type of immune system uh, that they need. Now, the moral of the story here is not to run home and rub your kids' faces in the dirt and say, this is good for you, trust me. Uh, that's not where we're going here. But, the, but the, the, an understanding that uh, we, we may be sort of overprotective when it comes to our exposure to germs. Well, what about the church? Forget about germs now. What about the church? Is it possible that uh, as a church we are overprotective when it comes to our exposure, not to germs, but to sin? Is it possible that we're overprotective when it, when it comes to how, when we, are we overprotective in the way that we avoid 
people because they sin. And so there's, that's a question. Now, I've been thinking about this. The reason that we're talking about this week is because uh, there's a book that was written uh, by David Kinnaman. He's a lead researcher at Barna Research Group. And so we definitely want to take everything uh, with a grain of salt when, when you have statistics and stuff like that. But David Kinnaman has uh, interviewed thousands of young adults, ages 18 to 29, that used to be involved in a church and are now not. And one of the common reasons that these people have given for why they've left the church is, is that the church was overprotective. Uh, they grew up thinking the world was totally evil and everything outside the church was totally evil. Then they went to college or something and they found out maybe it wasn't so bad and it caused them to turn their back on uh, the church. And so we're thinking about that. But I also thought, you know, we could be overprotective in the way that we, uh, as far as our cultural engagement and how much sin will be around but we could also be underprotective. So we'll talk about that too. Overprotective, underprotective. And here's where we're going. What, we, what I want everyone, what we need to see this morning is that the finished work of Christ sets us free to worry a lot less about protecting ourselves and worry a lot more about taking risks for the sake of lost people. The finished work of Jesus Christ sets us free to not worry so much about protecting ourselves but to take big risks for the sake of lost people. So let's pray and keep your Bibles open. We're going to look at this passage from John 17. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just uh, come before you. Thank you once again for gathering us here this morning. Uh, We thank you that we can worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you that you have called us to do this. And uh, Lord, we ask now that you would uh, give us your spirit, that we can see the majesty of the Lord Jesus in this text. We pray that you would use it to equip us and empower us to run with the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Take a look at verse 15 through 18 first. You've probably heard the phrase, in the world but not of it. That's where this comes from. Look at here, verse 15. Jesus is praying to his Father, and he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So right off the bat, it's clear that we are supposed to be here in the world. And we'll look at what that means in a little bit. Uh, He says in 16, he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so this very powerful picture of what we've got is Jesus is sending us into the world, but yet he doesn't want us to be of the world. And that's where we get that phrase. You've probably heard it before, being in the world, but not of it. And on any church's journey, or any even family or individual's journey with Christ, as you consider what it means to be in the world, but not of it, there's going to be some spectrum of where we can fall into mistake or failure. Okay, and we're going to look at that spectrum because one side of that spectrum would say that you totally avoid the culture. In an effort to protect yourself or in an effort, in an effort to protect ourselves from the sin and misery of the world, uh, some churches tend to totally avoid the culture. They don't get involved in the culture. They don't uh, uh, spend any time with people that aren't Christians. They may only listen to Christian music. They can kind of hide away. And that's a problem. And then the other side would be uh, to totally accept the culture. Accept the culture so much that you're enmeshed in it and involved in all the same sins that the people in your culture are carrying out. 
And so that would be a mistake too. But let's, let's look at these and understand these a little, diff- or a little further here. As far as avoiding the culture, uh, this would be being not in the world. This would be uh, pulling out and hiding away and just kind of being tucked away in our own little Christian ghettos. And this is where you would definitely say you're being overprotective. If you're not engaging culture, if we're not with the people, if we're not with the sinners that we're supposed to be uh, serving, then we are being overprotective. And in fact, in the book, You Lost Me, that I was referring to earlier, uh, most, basically all the people who left the church because they said it was overprotective came from the, the, the avoid the culture type background. And he told a couple stories. One example is the Grammy Award, award-winning band, uh, Kings of Leon. Any Kings of Leon fans out there? Uh, that's, uh, there we go. And um, that's a band with uh, four guys. Three of them are brothers and one is their cousin. Okay. And so the three brothers did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine. Turns out that they grew up in a very, very strict, very, very culture-avoiding setting. They weren't allowed to listen to music unless it was Christian. They weren't allowed to watch movies at all. They weren't allowed to play competitive sports. They weren't allowed to ever wear shorts. And it said in the interview, not even when they were water skiing. Now, can you just imagine for a real quick second, a guy water skiing in Dockers? Good times. Okay. But this is the type of mentality where they were tucked away from the world and protected from the world so much that when they were exposed to the world and it didn't appear to be a completely gone to hell type world, uh, it, it changed their view of the church and they walked away. Another person who was raised in an avoid the culture type setting that you've probably heard of is Katy Perry. She's a popular Christian, or no, she's a popular secular singer. She kissed a girl and she liked it. And um, she is, uh, what you may not know is she grew up Christian. She grew up in a very strict Pentecostal home where they wouldn't eat deviled eggs. They called them angeled eggs. Okay. Now, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to give a a realistic picture of the fact that uh, one tendency when you're trying to be in the world but not of it, one tendency is to totally avoid culture. And hide away from it. And the problem with that is you end up being overprotective. And it's basically, we could call that mission failure. Because we have to be with the people we're trying to reach. We'll look at that a little more in a minute. How about accepting the culture? That's the other side. We can totally accept the culture. Uh, We can, instead of not being of the world, we can basically be of the world. And there's plenty of churches and even denominations that are lowering the bar on what sin is so that they can just be like everyone else. And the problem is they're just like everyone else. There's no distinct difference. They're not a called out people. They're just like the rest of the world, except they say they love Jesus. And if we're at the point where we accept the culture so much that so much that we are involved in all the same sin, all the same practices, then it's, we're going to fail morally. We're going to be involved in all the same sin the world is in, and it's going to basically kill our witness because we won't be any different. Okay? So those are the two extremes. In, a, in an effort to be, and we need to think about it as a church, where are we at? Which, you know, are we in the center? Are we moving towards one? Are we moving towards the other? You need to think about them as families and individuals. Where do you lean? Do you lean avoid the culture, just get out of it, or do you lean blend into the culture so much that you're indistinguishable? Uh, that's that's uh, the spectrum. Now, what, what does the Bible say, though? The Bible says that we must do some things. Instead of accept the culture, what we really need to do is accept sinners. And I mean, like, really accept sinners. Spend time with them. Be with them. Love them. 
serve them. Even when they're involved in egregious sin, we still need to be next to them, uh, trying to love on them, trying to serve them. We need to be in the world. That's what it means to be in the world, that we are engaged in our culture, every facet, every crack, every crevice of our culture. We're there. The people of God are there being in the world. Think of Matthew 28, 18, or just look at the back wall. Uh, you have uh, our mission is to make disciples of all nations. That includes making disciples here in East Orlando. It in, includes making disciples all over the country, like our team that just got back from Cherokee, all over the world. We can't make disciples if we're not with people that are not disciples. And a lot of times, people that are not disciples are engaged in pretty rough sin. But to be in the world is to be where they are and do what they are doing except for the sin part. Um, now, Matthew 5.13, it reminds us just that, that we're, we're supposed to be with them, but we're not supposed to engage in the sin. We can do virtually anything non-believers and, and uh, non-disciples will do except for the sin part. Matthew 5 through, or 5, 13 through 16 is a famous portion of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus calls us what? Two things. Salt and light. Salt of the earth. Light of the world. Meaning preserve your moral character. Okay? But be proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel to a lost and dying world. Don't hide away. And so there we have this call to holiness right next to a call to be in the world. First uh, Corinthians nine, huge, huge text. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. You can write down these references and please look them up later. But a picture of being in the world, uh, accepting sinners. This is huge. Paul says, I'll paraphrase the first part and then I'll read uh, verse 22. He basically says to the Jews, I became a Jew to those under the law. I became as one under the law to those not having the law. I became as one not having the law. To the weak, I became as one who is weak. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. And so here's this Paul, you know, super missionary Paul, and he is with all these different people. And we know they're sinning. I mean, we're Christians and we sin. So obviously the non-Christians are sinning too. And so, but he's with them. And he's taking efforts, he's making efforts, he's doing things differently in his life, he's blending in, but not participating in the sin. We know that Paul would never condone sin several times in Romans and other places. He says, should we sin? He says, meganoita, that's by no means in Greek. And so we know Paul is not calling us to that. He's calling us to be in the world, but we're not called to be of it. There, an example of that would be James one twenty seven, powerful verse. Uh, James is talking about pure and true religion that's acceptable to God, taking care of widows and orphans, and keeping oneself unstained from the world. So there you have it. That's a great verse that shows that we're supposed to be avoiding sin. We're not supposed to fall into the patterns of uh, this current world. We're not supposed to fall into the patterns of the sinful aspects of our culture. Um, And then, of course, uh, Jesus is obviously the epitome the perfect example of in the world but not of it and here's one thing i mean there's a billion things we love about jesus but uh, if you're like me you really 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 love the fact that jesus loved to hang around big fat sinners that means he would want to hang around me think about this in luke 15 in luke 15 uh, he tells uh, three parables the parable of the lost Sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or we call it the prodigal son. But what sparked that? 
In Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says that uh, tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Pharisees were culture avoiders. But you see, so Jesus is perfect picture. He is with really, really big sinners. I mean, we see in the Gospels, he was hanging out with prostitutes. He was hanging out with swindlers. He was hanging out with the, the tax collectors, which were the Bernie Madoffs of the day. These people ripped off people in ways we can't even imagine. And Jesus was hanging out with them. He was eating with them. He was accepting them. He was in the world. But he wasn't of it. You look at Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus was tempted with all the things that you and I are tempted, yet he was without sin. And that's where we have to understand that if we think that the goal is to be perfectly on mission with the sinners in the world, but to never sin, that is the goal. But if that's what we feel like we have to do, we're going to be crushed by Jesus as example. We have to understand that Jesus is not just our example. Jesus is our substitute. See, Jesus did this perfectly. Jesus is the one who perfectly obeyed God's mission and he perfectly obeyed God's moral standards and then suffered on the cross for our failures. Jesus did this all perfectly, perfectly obeyed mission. He was with the sinners, perfectly obeyed morally. He never sinned. And then he took our sins to the cross and paid for them there. Jesus is not just our example. He's our substitute. And that is huge because what it means is we're free to fail. Doesn't mean we try to fail by no means. But it means that our failures will not affect the way God loves us. It has no bearing on how much God loves us. And that frees us to take big risks in order to reach lost people in our community and around, around the world with the glorious news of Jesus Christ. And the reality is the problem with avoiding culture other than it being disobedience and the problem with totally accepting culture other than it being disobedience is what it really is, is the uh, avoiding of risk. There's really no risk. If we tuck ourselves away and hide from the world, nobody's going to really do much to us because they don't know we're there. If we totally accept culture and, and blend into the, to the effect that nobody even knows we're Christians, they're not really going to have a problem with us because they don't really know we're Christians. But if we are committed to being in the world, being with sinners, but not being of it to avoid the sin, we're risking persecution. That's what we've signed up for as followers of Christ. Look at 14, verse 14. Jesus says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. There's a lot of, there's several places in the New Testament where Jesus warns that as he was persecuted, we will be persecuted. As he's been hated, we will be hated. And that means if we're not going to avoid the culture and if we're not going to just totally accept it, if we're going to be in the world, in the culture, but not of it, we're, we're risking persecution. It's not guaranteed, but the risk is there. And so the reality is if we avoid culture, we're not, there's no risk, but we're not going to be able to make more disciples. And if we are uh, accepting the culture, there's, we, there's no risk of persecution there, but we're also not going to be making any more disciples. So in order to make disciples... Here and around the world, we're going to have to get with the sinners, but avoid the sin 
and proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the gospel. And that's going to risk uh, all sorts of things. We're going to risk persecution. We're going to risk our reputation. We may even risk our health or maybe even our life. But this is what we're called to. We are a sent people. Jesus says, I have sent them into the world. Yet we're also sanctified, so we're not of the world. But think about this. We are set up pretty well to really do this, to really be in the world, but not of it. Think about it. We've got a lot of musicians here. Musicians, you need to hear that if you want to be in a band that's not Christian, awesome. Because you know what? That positions you to be around a lot of non-Christians in the non-Christian music world. And you can be salt and light in the music industry. Those of you who like movies or animation, we've got some full-sale students. We've got some people who work in that. And great, awesome. You don't have to only make Christian movies. You can work in the secular movie field. We should have as many missionaries in the Hollywood movie industry as possible. Who else is going to share the gospel with them if we don't go? Other things, too. Think about uh, politics. If you like politics, great. Get in there. Politicians need to hear about Jesus. Okay? Trust me. Um, listen, but I'm, I'm serious. If you like politics, you can be involved in politics and you can get in there and you can be a salt and light in the industry or the realm of politics. Uh, education. We've got some teachers. How amazing would it be if we flooded University High School and Timber Creek High School and Legacy Middle School and Discovery Middle School with Christian teachers? who are in the culture, but then not being of it as well by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit. How beautiful would that be? Uh, The club scene. Who's going to reach the people who are getting wasted in the bars at night? We need to be with people. Let's be careful on that one, but seriously. I mean, we really need to be where the people are. We need to be in the world, but we need to remain not of it. You know, I drive uh, my, I live in Waterford, and so every day on my way to work, uh, on my way, it's on my left. On, on my way home, it's on my right. It's, uh, it's the Harley-Davidson store. If you buy me a Harley-Davidson, I will reach bikers, okay? That's, that's basically where I'm going with this. No, I made a deal with my wife. I get a dog instead of a motorcycle. But someone needs someone. One of us may have a motorcycle, okay? Some of us, who, who is going, who is uh, investing and reaching the bikers all of see, this is the beauty of it. We don't have to hide away from culture. We need to get in there. Everywhere, every crack, every crevice of culture. Let's put God's people, God's people who know the absolute mind-boggling glory of Jesus Christ. And then we'll continue to train each other to avoid the sin. But when we do, we know that our, our relationship with God is unstained because of what Christ has done for us. But not just here. You see, it's not just East Orlando culture that we want to penetrate with the gospel. It's all over the world. I mean, there are cultures everywhere. The, uh, let's see if I can do this, Saho, Saharawi of Algeria that we prayed for this morning, or the, uh, the Mawani of Mozambique, or the Bulang of China. We pray for an unreached people group every week, and these people groups have cultures, and they have things about those cultures that are good, and things about those cultures that need to be redeemed, but, uh, but the most important thing is they have people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how I pray that we would raise up some missionaries from this very congregation that say, I'm called to uh, take an unreached people group off the unreached people group list and put them on the reached people group list. Don't worry, I'm not going to do a who will go for us thing right now. But, but I want you to think about that. I think everybody should pray every once in a while, Lord, should I go? Should I go to some other culture that has not heard of you? 
how beautiful to think of UPC people uh, taking unreached people groups off the unreached people group list because they were reached through our efforts to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel all over the world. You see, the success of any church is not in how many it seats, but in how many it sends. How many it sends into into the community to get involved in every area of culture to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel and how many it sends to the nations the nearly 7,000 unreached people groups in the world. Let's send. Because here's, here's the thing. As we think about the risk, what are we going to risk? Our money, our time, our reputation, our health, even our lives. Is it, what are we risking for? And look at verse 13. Jesus, this is amazing. Jesus is telling us something huge here. He's saying, I'm coming to you now. He's talking to the Father. But I say these things. This is why he prayed this prayer out loud. He says, I say these things while I'm still in the world so that my so that they as the disciples may have the full measure of my joy within them. When we're failing to risk big for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the loss of lost people, we're also risking not having that joy that Jesus is wanting us to have, because there is absolute tremendous joy in following Christ into the world, but not being of it. And there's tremendous joy in seeing people who are not disciples become disciples. And that is what we're being called to do. So this is about our joy. It's not just about obedience. It's not just about duty. It's about delight. It's about this amazing privilege that we have to go and preach and and demonstrate the gospel to a lost and dying world. And the beauty of it is, like I said before, we are free to fail. We don't have to worry. We can mess up. If we mess up missionally or if we mess up morally, look at verse 19 again. He says, For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. And what he's saying here is he set himself apart, basically, to be our substitute, to be punished in our place so that we could be set apart to serve in this world and then be completely set apart in the new heavens and new earth. And so is it worth it for us to take some pretty big risks So that people in all areas of all our culture and all cultures of the world hear the most amazing, life-changing, powerful, beautiful, humbling, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that worth some risk? Yes. That's our mission. Let's get to it. And let's see sinners saved and disciples made and the nations reached and our Lord Jesus returning on the clouds. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much that the pressure is off, that our obedience or disobedience does not affect our relationship with you because of Jesus, if we are in Christ. And we give you praise and thanks that you have called us to this great thing where it's we get to risk, we get to take risks. Give us your spirit that we would be bold in making, taking risks missionally and help us to be bold in taking risks to remain pure, to remain holy. Lord, would you raise up missionaries from this church to infiltrate the culture of our city and, as, and, and many cultures all around the world too? Would you take some unreached people groups off the list by sending our people to them? And would you give us the grace to turn back to you and give you all the glory and all the praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, 
grow together and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.